This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that supports life and family. 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite charity. Mention offer code TRADITION for a special Christmas offer. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. Having previously discussed errors of modernist thinking through the lens of Pope St. Pius X's landmark encyclical Pascendi Dominici Gregis, we now turn to modernist theologian. It's the beginning of a multi-part look at the theology of the modernist. Remember, we do a great service to our disservice to ourselves to assume that the modernist does not believe, that they have some kind of faith. They are true believers in their mission. They believe themselves to be divinely appointed by God to change the Catholic Church into something new. Many of them, if not most, if not all, truly believe that they have a divine mission to do so. Or that their forebears at Vatican II, the years leading to Vatican II, and afterwards in its implementation, had a divine mission from God himself to change the church, and that they are now fulfilling Vatican II with a divine mandate to do so. They truly believe. There is no real reason for someone who does not believe in God at all to pretend to be a Catholic priest or a bishop or cardinal or even pope. There's no reason for such a person to do that. If you want to inflict change on the world as someone who holds to a spirit of revolution, you need not go into ordained life and live upon the strict rules of that life or even pretend to live according to those strict rules. You'll find it much more profitable to go work in the private or political sectors. Most situations, I'm sure we can find some non-believing clergyman somewhere who never held the faith at all. But a general rule is that these are true believers and should be treated as such. So with that, let's continue with Pope St. Pius X. The Methods of the Modernists this, the theology of the modernists, becomes still clearer to anybody who studies the conduct of modernists, which is in perfect harmony with their teachings. In the writings and addresses, they seem not unfrequently to advocate now one doctrine, now another, so that one would be disposed to regard them as vague and doubtful. But there is a reason for this, and it is to be found in their ideas as to the mutual separation of science and faith. Hence, in their books, you find some things which might well be expressed by a Catholic, but in the next page you find other things which might have been dictated by a rationalist. When they write their history, they make no mention of the divinity of Christ. But when they are in the pulpit, they profess it clearly. Again, when they write history, they pay no heed to the fathers and the councils. But when they catechize the people, they cite them respectfully. In the same way, they draw their distinctions between theological and pastoral exegesis and scientific and historical exegesis. So, too, acting on the principle that science in no way depends upon faith, when they treat of philosophy, history, criticism, feeling no horror at treading in the footsteps of Luther, they are wont to display a certain contempt for Catholic doctrine, or the Holy Fathers, for the ecumenical councils, for the ecclesiastical magisterium, 
and should they be rebuked for this, they complain that they are being deprived of their liberty. Lastly, guided by the theory that faith must be subject to science, they continuously and openly criticize the church because of her sheer obstinacy in refusing to submit and accommodate her dogmas to the opinions of philosophy, while they on their side, after having blotted out the old theology, endeavor to introduce a new theology which shall follow the vagaries of their philosophies. The Modernist is Theologian, His Principles, Eminence, and Symbolism And thus, venerable brethren, the road is open for us to study the modernist in the theological arena, a difficult task, yes, one that may be disposed of briefly. The end to be obtained is the conciliation of faith with science, always, however, saving the primacy of science over the faith. In this branch, the modernist theologian avails himself of exactly the same principles which we have seen employed by the modernist philosopher and applies them to the believer, the principles of imminence and symbolism. The process is an extremely simple one. The philosopher has declared, the principle of faith is imminent, the believer has added, this principle is God, and the theologian draws the conclusion, God is imminent in man. Thus, we have theological imminence. So, too, the philosopher regards as certain that the representations of the object of faith are merely symbolical. The believer has affirmed that the object of faith is God in himself, and the theologian proceeds to affirm that. The representations of the divine reality are symbolical. And thus, we have theological symbolism. The truly enormous errors, both the pernicious character of which will be seen clearly from an examination of their consequences. For to begin with symbolism, since symbols are but symbols in regard to their objects, and only instruments in regard to the believer. It is necessary, first of all, according to the teachings of the modernists, that the believer do not lay too much stress on the formula, but avail himself of it only with the scope of uniting himself to the absolute truth, which the formula at once reveals and conceals, that is to say, endeavors to express, but without succeeding in doing so. They would also have the believer avail himself of the formulas, only in as far as they are useful to him, for they are given to be a help, not a hindrance. The prop, With proper regard, however, for the social respect due to formulas, which the public magisterium has deemed suitable for expressing the common consciousness until such time as the same magisterium provides otherwise. Concerning imminence, it is not easy to determine what modernists mean by it, for their own opinions on the subject vary. Some understand it in the sense that God working in man is more intimately present in him than man is even himself, and this conception, if properly understood, is free from reproach. Others hold that the divine action is one with the action of nature, as the action of the first cause is with the action of the secondary cause, and this would destroy the supernatural order. Others finally explain it in a way which savors of pantheism, and this in truth is the sense which the ta tallies best with the rest of their doctrines. With this principle of eminence is connected another, which may be called the principle of divine permanence. It differs from the first in much the same way as the private experience differs from the experience transmitted by tradition. An example will illustrate what is meant, and this example is offered by the church and the sacraments. The church and the sacraments, they say, are not to be regarded as having been instituted by Christ himself. This is forbidden by agnosticism, which sees in Christ nothing more than a man whose religious consciousness has been, like that of all men, formed by degrees. It is also forbidden by the law of imminence, which rejects what they call external application. It is further forbidden by the law of evolution, which requires for the development of the germs a certain time and certain set series of circumstances. It is finally forbidden by history, which shows that such, in fact, has been the course of all things.
Still, it is to be held that both church and sacraments have been founded immediately by Christ. But how? In this way. All, conscience, all Christian consciences were, they affirm, in a manner virtually included in the conscience of Christ as the plant is included in the seed. But as he shoots live the life of the seed, so too all Christians are to be said to live the life of Christ. But the life of Christ is according to faith, and so too the life of Christians. And since this life produced in the courses of ages, both the church and the sacraments, it is quite right to say that their origin is from Christ and is divine. In the same way, they prove the scriptures and the dogmas are divine, and thus the modernistic theology may be said to be complete. No great thing in truth, but more than enough for the theologian who professes that the conclusions of science must always, and in all things, be respected. <clears throat> the application of these theories to the other points we shall proceed to expound, anybody may easily make for himself. And thus we have the method of the modernists, how they take everything and filter it through the personal lived experience of the believer in an attempt to subvert the faith, to reframe the faith, and to put it into service to science. The absolute service to the natural sciences is something that is essential here. Go back to what Cardinal Fernandez is saying, if you're watching this reasonably close to when it was initially uploaded and made public. Cardinal Fernandez in Fiducia Supplicants and in his various statements has implicitly stated that we are must that the church must conform to the beliefs of science. He has said this in other documents. Francis has said this himself. We are to be subject to the natural sciences and that the church must reevaluate everything in the name of science, in the name of truth. Because their assumption is that the faith cannot conflict with science. It used to be the church said that the sciences cannot conflict with the faith. How that became inverted is a subject for another time. But that is where we are now. Where we put our trust in the realities of theological truth and theological certainty into the hands of the secular high priests. Trust what they say, we're told. Even if what we were told just a couple of years ago proved to be utter nonsense that had an enormous cost that we're still dealing with now. Curious what you have to say about all this, so let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't, it does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.